Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gayatri. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. A story from the ground up of passion towards programming building software products for the world from India and founding his company. Our guest this week is Sita Prasad Mandikel, founder and CEO of Tribyte Technologies. An active coder and technologist, he's taken his passion to start a company that created a complete platform for learners, facilitators and evaluators, focusing on self-paced learning. While growth was slow and steady until last year, when education did a complete flip and the pandemic changed the course of learning for students and teachers his company experienced explosive growth and had to scale that challenged them sita prasad shares these amazing stories and much more on this episode hi sita prasad warm welcome to you on the software people stories podcast it's great having you here i've looked forward to this conversation so a very warm welcome to you Thank you Chitra it's my privilege to be talking to you actually on this podcast so uh, thanks a lot for having me here actually you're welcome sita and <laughs> how would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners just a quick background about myself actually uh, i'm mean, like i'm a technologist by heart actually and still i enjoy programming I mean, after so many years but a quick background i did my engineering in uh, rv college of engineering bangalore and had an opportunity to meet the brightest minds and after finishing my engineering i uh, went to robot bosch and then from there uh, did some uh, amount of work in microsoft back again actually to india was part of actually a team called um, building a product in talishma where we had a good experience after that uh, i mean there was a small team which uh, a startup which was primarily focusing on uh, building a cloud service capturing the personal information so i was part of the initial team and uh, that company it's called pi the company got bought over actually by uh, emc square once that got aboard I mean like uh, i jumped into this entrepreneurship where i started off uh, tribyte and uh, that's where it is It's almost 10 years i uh, started off tribyte in tribyte what we do is primarily we are building a uh, platform which tries to make the learning itself more fun and engaging we give this platform as a saas to all the educational institutes test prep companies and universities anybody who wants to go online I mean, that's the need of the hour at this time we give the product as saas and today we have close to 2 million users on the platform and it's used across in 25 countries and localized in like eight different languages Wow that sounds like a phenomenal journey already lots of questions to pepper through this conversation 
And uh, I'm certainly going to pick your brains about entrepreneurship, how you find customers and many more questions around that. But before we go there, what picked your interest in programming and how did your initial experience drive you towards entrepreneurship or creating or building platforms and products? So that's two questions there. <laughs> See, programming, uh, in fact, I mean, uh, as uh, I mean, our generation, actually, you would know, I mean, we were not used to the programming till we joined engineering. So my first uh, programming experience is doing the program in Fortran. In, uh, I think, I mean, I did it in second year as a course, but we had it in the fourth year of engineering. After that course, I learned C and I was very clear. I mean, that's something I want to become a programmer. After I did engineering, even though I had offers in two, three companies, but I was very, very clear that programming is something which I love to do. I mean, today also, the most uh, happiest thing I get actually is sitting and writing program or doing reviews. I do that regularly even now i mean like once in a day i mean once in a week actually right every thursdays i block myself i mean I, that's today actually in a way i mean i block myself into learning something which is purely technology or writing some program for my own platform so programming is something actually or a technology you can say is something close to my heart and i don't need a motivation or a push to do some stuff but entrepreneurship is something uh, like during my uh, pi days, I mean, like we actually a small group of people, we always used to bounce ideas, I mean, like. So during even earlier days, Pradeep, I mean, like Pradeep Singh, who built Arithi and Talishma actually, right? I mean, he wanted to build a fantastic product, which is made out of India. And if you look at those days, Talishma had a label when it got launched, which said, made in India. I mean, like. So that gave us a lot of kick for all of us. And we all wanted to do something. Uh, so we kept on bouncing the ideas. But anyway, when I mean, always there was a mind, okay, what happens to the financial things? I mean, like stuff like this. So when the company got bought over, all of us cashed out all the stocks, whatever was given actually for us. And at least I made sure all my home loans and I had sufficient money to pay my kids fee. And I can survive without having any issues for the next two years. So the moment I was clear on that, I jumped on to the entrepreneurship where I started off by-by. So when I started off, there were a couple of two, three ideas which we wanted to bounce through, but I took almost two years for us, for me to actually say, okay, hey, this is the idea which I want to stick on. This is what is close to my heart and I have to do this. So that leads me very nicely into the next question. You said, you know, that was a two-year period where I'm assuming you must have done a lot of trials, experiments, tried to sense what will work, what will not work. You know, this is also a lot, uh, something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. And there are a lot of moments of anxiety. Will this work? Can we make a success out of it? Can you share what happened in those two years and ultimately, how you came to know that, okay, this is what we want to do. See, uh, I am, as I told you, I am more from the technology backgrounds, right? So typically, every idea, if I'm able to implement it, it is a product for me. That's what you feel, actually, right? So uh, we had some ideas. I said, okay, yes, I mean, like, let's go implement it. I mean, like, we did actually POCs. I mean, a few of the ideas was, I mean, I wanted to bridge the gap between teacher and uh, parent, and we wanted to build a video platform. 
couple of things among we people i was doing but while i was doing this i also wanted to get some money i mean so i did some amount of consulting so that some revenue keeps coming on to the entity we have that luxury of trying out the poc but one of the biggest learning for me is okay one is basically implementing an idea but making it a business requires lot more other things like you need to identify who is your target customer and you have to be very clear like what problem you are trying to solve right and what is the market size and what would it take for you to acquire a customer actually or how, what would it take to maintain a customer actually is it actually a, a viable business so when you put all of these factors uh, into each of this ideas uh, then you start feeling okay hey this is a fantastic problem to solve but as a business it might not make sense this like that week i mean i kept on trying few uh, whatever we i mean whatever i had which is close to my heart actually in a way so at that time i mean like i said okay uh, there was a need in a way I and mean, i felt for the video platform that's how we started off as a company i mean like so i am a technology guy and building a platform was something which is my strength so i went and built a video platform which primarily was used by both entertainment and education industry so initial days we had basically airtel z all of these guys using the platform but later i realized okay given a size of the company and most of the times the startups have a small bunch of people actually who are in a way i mean like uh, thinking about the problem because the team is very small we cannot solve two big problems so we said okay we're going to stop the entertainment completely and focus on the education which was always close to my heart once that decision was made that okay we're going to build a platform for the education there was never looking back we kept on adding more and more and with the same goal of how do i make the learning itself more uh, interesting and engaging that's very very interesting sita and again leading into the next question of based on what you said what was your experience like when you tried to get your first customers to come on to this video platform what did you do to sort of convince them that this was the place that they needed to be and that it would serve their needs yeah that's the getting the first few customers are the most hardest problem any entrepreneur will have actually and if you are from a technology background typically you are used to sitting in a room and start solving the problem now you have to work out meet somebody whom you have not met and start selling so it it, it was a harder one but we i mean what was very clear to me was the problem definition like what is it we are trying to do I mean, like basically we said very very clearly we want to be uh, very good in self paced learning that's what i believed actually and that's what we believe even today i mean the self paced learning is something which we helps the learning in a big way and there are challenges in a self paced learning where uh, having a right set of like good teachers are very less actually so having a recorded like recorded version or having a good video of that would actually help and moment you go to tier 2 tier 3 right i mean like this is a big problem so we walked into the customer and we talked about this especially i mean uh, the biggest challenge at that time was 
having internet in tier 2 tier 3 or even tier 1 it was a challenge i mean eight years down back if you look at having a hd streamed across uh, all the time was a, still a challenge so what we went and we uh, said is look we have built the platform thinking about india in a mind actually and it works completely offline and whenever they are connected it will synchronize back all the usage information back onto the cloud now you tell us what you want more actually on top of it and uh, the way the platform or the product the way we have grown is also mostly we like go meet the customers get the requirement and once that requirement is in line with our vision we put onto the product very few small set of features we discuss in the office and they put across otherwise it's mostly the customer driven act uh, where we understand the problem what they have and we try to put a solution that way this was a very uh, simple value add model we went with and the first two customers were apollo munich and akash which they got bought over actually by byjus so they started off their digital journey with us in a way that uh i mean that way i mean they were also learning we were also learning and it helped us actually for both them that's a very interesting story in terms of how you got the attention of your first customers and i think you also spoke about a very important point in the whole journey of a customer's experience with you your platform in terms of how you know you have to retain them one thing i can sense is you certainly worked with them continuously to probably enhance understand more about their needs so in some sense i guess this association with the customer is a journey for both the customer and the business so how do you keep that connect and how do you get these customers to not only stay with you but also act as your advocates when you say advocates so in a way that's the fundamental model in which we have scale I and mean, most of our new customers we through reference only so we have only one sales person actually in the whole organization rest all is the engineering so whatever the new acquisition happens most of times is our customers who is evangelizing for us and the way the model tribyte works is fundamentally most of the educational institutes it can be universities it can be test prep they don't have a strong technology team only that's the biggest challenge they have actually getting the right set of people and then okay uh, managing them so what we do is we promise them actually when we sign up we will become a technology partner for them or we will become the technology arm for them where they fundamentally focus on their strengths which is their learning pedagogy or the way they deliver the content and we take care of the technology whatever is needed to do their business and that is the fundamental principle in which we have worked so far right so if you look at all if you walk i mean if you even people ask us for a reference we say go and ask anybody who has worked with us actually and uh, you can talk to anyone I mean, like that's the confidence in which we talk about the relationship what we have with our customer okay so uh, we in fact in the whole team becomes part of their team and uh, we help them to grow their business 
That's nice. And in fact, I'm just thinking that you have had an early start and a head start of sorts and had a lot of time to actually solidify your platform. And it must have been of tremendous help to so many organizations, especially your existing customers. If we go back one year in time to when this whole pandemic broke out, how have things really been in the past one year? Have they sort of accelerated your growth in some ways, whether it's not only in terms of number of customers, but also the evolution of your platform itself? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, just to tell you what, I mean, whatever uh, the digital roadmap, what was put actually for the education, which was happening from few years, a lot of them got done in one month or two months actually. So, uh, in fact, the typical sales cycle for us actually was talking to a customer, taking six, three to three months actually, and then, okay, onboarding. This during the COVID time is to happen in days. But going back to existing customers, uh, especially a few larger institutes who were primarily classroom, online was only a small business. So when the COVID happened, the completely or the complete classroom got shut down. So it means the whole classroom, like where the online was only 10% and rest was 90%, the whole increase in the usage happened like 200% actually. Yeah, that's what I would say. And the biggest challenge for us also was to cope up with the load. I mean, it was not an easy thing. If you ask me last year, uh, my team, at least during the March period, team was working almost like uh, 18 hours a day where we were trying to figure out, create, do some optimizations because suddenly the load was like 2x, 3x, whatever we expected. We were able to do the necessary things to make sure the continuity of the learning happens for all of our customers. And we were also able to grow like, uh, like in a way the grow 2x actually of what we used to get earlier. And we reached the point where we said we will not be able to take more customers at least for the next one month, two months, because we have to do justice for our existing customers and new cost customers who got absorbed. And then, okay, once we complete, we can do more. So that way, yeah, I mean, COVID has whatever the effects, what he has, it has basically for the education. A lot of companies which were always thinking about whether I have to put this first step or not, have made them actually go online. And we as a company were always supporting them to make sure there is a continuity in the business because otherwise the business would have stopped for them. I think in several ways, it's, uh, uh, you know, despite the grim situation around, if you look at it from the standpoint of uh, both business, technology, and even enabling people, I think it's a great place to be right now where you maybe have a problem of plenty yet looking to partner with your customers to ensure that they are able to be successful in their line of business and so on. Very nice, Sita. Thank you so much. Wanted to go back to one point that you mentioned. You said suddenly you had to scale things at the back end to handle so many requests and onboard so many users, perhaps even create different environments almost on the fly. What are some of the engineering lessons there through this that you can share in terms of rapid scaling? Because that's the phrase that's coming to my mind right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are like, in a way, see, one of the lessons for this is you are always onboarding one to two clients in a month, actually. So it means doing stuff actually manually 
would not be a challenge because even they will take our customers who take time to share details so a lot of them like the initial onboarding we used to do it manually okay and lot of trainings used to happen and, uh, where we used to not record so uh, now suddenly we got a request of 10 customers uh, in a month and all all of them want to go live tomorrow right it's not that okay how many whatever we do actually right it will take time for us because we were not used to i mean like uh, it was done manually so we started automating lot of stuff how do we onboard a customer how do we train a customer how do we even do a knowledge transfer for the teachers the customers to put content all of this uh, we have to streamline in a very quick manner one is on the technology side basically the things needed to onboard the customer very fast because uh, here there is a clear crisis and we need to help also because their schools I mean, or colleges have stopped actually and we have to get it uh, up and running immediately on the other hand all the teachers and all the staff were new to the technology also so they also needed some sort of an onboarding like uh, a knowledge sessions where we have to tell them how to use it so we cannot share them a link actually or a help file where they can go through it they learn because the time was very critical so what we did is when we started off something called virtual shala sort of an academy for uh, tribat where whatever the trainings what we used to do we used to record and put it as a courses where they can come and start referring that whenever they have a doubt so that reduce the support call to a large extent and we also each time whenever a customer calls up we used to make a note of it and then okay either write a small write up back to that or if we have done a similar activity to the other customer where the session was recorded make it available and give it to the customer where they can go through it them that way we were able to uh, scale in various area like support knowledge transfer and the technology i mean so one piece of i mean like uh, advice i for any tech startup is always whatever you do see that okay there's a sudden surge can happen and you can automate or try to keep the stuff as much as automizable as so if the need arises you have a very clear plan for it oh wow i can only imagine the frenzy with which things have would have happened but at the same time a lot of rapid learning i think for everyone all of your team i'm sure that this is a story that will stay with you all for a long long time you know many people will also benefit from learning from this experience of yours oh, yeah. uh, so i'm just go One ahead interesting use cases typically we uh, fundamentally i told you we uh, grown actually as a self paced learning so uh, now once the covid happened i mean like we have to uh, once we onboarded all the schools i mean at one point we had more than 1500 live sessions happening on the platform each session would have roughly like 40 people actually 40 50 people and interestingly all of them used to start at 9 o'clock okay so it means i mean uh, between 9 to 91 or a 92 almost all schools other test prep I mean, wherever who are starting the first class at 9 o'clock everybody used to come on I mean, like and this pattern is to keep repeating I mean, like 9 11 so we had to do a lot of optimization to just make sure things are stable during this time and it took time I mean it's not that okay we got it right in the day one itself we had issues in the first few days and we have to kept on we kept on actually adding layer caching layer then okay we put a distributed cache to make sure the uh, load whatever comes in intermittently like this actually are handled 
uh, that way the costs for us also don't go dramatically I mean, the other approach would have been to scale up the infra but that would not be financially viable actually so we have to do some very intelligent solutions where the infra cost is kept minimum at the same time it can handle the peak load by using auto scale adding caching layers stuff like this and for the first few days in a way I mean, if you look at the core team used to sit monitor the load like all of us on a zoom call looking at the graphs users okay hey, things are going up actually do something okay that was a you first one week of uh, covid it was pretty hectic in a way i mean keep doing things keep patching stuff making sure okay system is stable and then okay it holds up for the next class after i think one week we had almost streamlined most of the stuff and the system was stable and we don't need to look back to a large extent i think this is a fantastic or should certainly become a really really valuable case study at some point in time so i hope we can see that you know there's so much of learning that especially engineers and people interested in software can take away and i'm also wondering if you know there's a possibility of having a conversation around let's say a software based scaling and capacity building versus like you mentioned right investing in hardware you know i'm almost seeing that that can be another conversation by itself oh, actually you know that's a beauty about entrepreneurship you get to put you you come across a lot of challenges where uh, you need to solve uh, this i mean one more interesting story i can uh, talk share about is when uh, jnk jnk actually was basically put under a rule and uh, the whole internet was taken off we had one customer who had lot of centers in jnk so they came and asked us that, what what is it we have to do now so that the kids there I mean, can study i mean like they said look they don't have internet they don't have anything but we can ask somebody to come over here actually and they can take some stuff back but make sure it cannot be replicatable so we have to do we have to do some specific encryption and expiry where we build something where the whole content can be packaged in an sd cards and we ship to the delhi team and delhi team actually where somebody from the jnk team came and there was a process in which this content was distributed at least the learning can continue for all the jnk students so the team was very happy when they did that and we pulled it in i mean in two days we have to push across a new product all together i mean uh, that's one of the again i mean a very interesting story which uh, where we had a opportunity to make a difference where the connectivity was taken off and still we wanted to come out with technology solution which actually help the uh, learners in actually jnk to continue at the same time the content is not widely circulated across different parts where the business is at risk a very inspiring stories uh, sita both when you look at the consumers or the market or customers who have been enabled or impacted through your solutions as well as i think even within your own company in terms of what it's built how it's addressed these kind of problems very inspiring especially in our country today where problems are not only of scale but also very distinct in their natures given given the kind of uh, structures and environments that we live in one question that's coming to my mind is with respect to how you built your team at tribyte what did you look for what's motivated people to to stay with you through all of this 
This is the interesting question actually because most of the companies talk about adhesion of 15%, 20%, but in Tribike, if you look at it, it's in the 0.1%, whatever. I mean, people who left is very few women. What, what do we look at that? In a way, I mean, if you look at the interview process, what we have is actually very rigorous, but at the same time, if you, I mean, we look at like 100 candidates, we may get one or two. Primarily, I look at uh, attitude being one of the biggest uh, uh, asset for any person who comes to my company. Because I feel if the attitude is right, we can always mold, we can train, do whatever is necessary. So that's what fundamentally I look at. But yeah, I mean, uh, there are, we are a primarily a technology company and we expect the people to know some basic uh, programming, stuff like this. So in terms of skill set, the basic skill set, whatever, we are open to any programming. That's what we tell actually people, especially for the, when we look for a new talent. The questions, whatever put across, we say you write in any programming language or you write in English, but you have to tell us how we're going to solve the problem. And uh, generally, I make sure, okay, if the person is not able to solve in the last round, has he put an effort to solve it before coming to the next round? I mean, that's something tells about the person actually whether he has that learning ability when he says or when he sees a problem and he's not able to solve that way i mean yeah i mean like uh, our interview process is pretty rigorous and we less also to a large extent we keep continuing looking for good people but people once they come in uh, only for this like uh, either actually after getting married or I mean, educational reasons people have left them in. So one of the reasons for them is once we onboard any new person, they need to be aware of what we are trying to do. I mean, what's the value add, what we uh, give to our customer. I mean, like once they know that, the problem is solved. I mean, like they will become part of your problem actually and then they'll start solving it for you. That's what I believe in. So we do coding camps, we do knowledge series. Uh, we don't have a hierarchy I mean, like in terms of organization. But... To a large extent, I feel I mean, like giving them the flexibility, understanding them, making them understand the problem, what they are trying to solve. And they being part of the problem and coming up with a solution makes the person uh, be with the company. I mean, like salary is only a small part of the problem in a way when people leave. Actually. That's what I believe. That's nice. And I can completely imagine, I've personally been so inspired listening to the kind of stories and the kind of problems that you've been addressing. I'm sure it must be a wonderful place to work. I also noticed that you are catering to a wide audience. And when you said self-paced learning, there are adults, there are children, there are uh, teachers also. So what is it that you know you've done differently? to make content that engaging or make learning more engaging, interactive, so that even in this online environment, the learners are able to connect with what they're learning. So if I look at actually our product portfolio, we have three primary verticals. One is the K-12, which is basically the kids summer like. The other is actually the test prep. Uh, which is like the JE uh, people who are getting prepared for NEET, JE, IAS, all of these exams. I mean, like in the third category, skill development and higher ed universities. So each of these are in a way unique. I mean, like, and the motivation factors are also different. So in a way, product vertical, we have two, three different uh, call as themes. I mean, like how we actually use all of this interactivity. I mean, like. 
So typically when we look at a K-12 segment, people are used to games. So all of them has to be gamified to a large extent. And especially at the lower age kids, like six to like till the eighth grade, the motivational factors like basically points or leaderboard or making them more prominent, all of this would actually help them to do a lot more stuff from life because fundamentally they also are actually always trying to uh, please or uh, uh, get more attention to a large extent. Everybody does, but okay, yeah, in this age group, definitely. But when it goes to test prep, so it means fundamentally for the K-12, what we do is we emphasize more gamification aspects in terms of badges, leaderboards, uh, and also convert quizzes into games, I mean, like where they come and play, compete with their uh, with their other friends, and then, okay, they invite friends, do stuff Whereas when it comes to test prep, test prep is a very focused here. What matters is only the marks, marks and the rank. So here, what is important, uh, the peer comparison, uh, how much fast I am, which subjects I am weak in. So it is very, very uh, a thorough analysis on each of the tests, what they take is what would help them to make them perfect to get the score what they want because the competition is very very high in this the amount of participants who come for a need actually and amount of people who get selected is very small ratio right so that's where i mean here the gamification will not help to a large extent here the importance is the data I mean, like how what how much how do we present this data in an interactive manner where basically they can use this and then uh, become uh, like find the mastery and also things like questions on video stuff like this would help them to recap very quickly in a test prep world when it comes to the higher end these are all the mature folks actually where primary requirement for them is to have it in an organized manner and uh, again there are a lot of things which varies the starting from color schemes like the color schemes in the k-12 would be very colorful whereas in case of a test prep it is moderate whereas in case of a higher ed they don't want to be very flashy i mean like universities and all actually don't want to be very flashy at the same time the learning deliverable here it's more about the type of functionalities what you would want also actually is primarily i mean what are the different models of assignments the pure rated assignments self-rated assignments these are the various things what they do as part of the activity. So uh, in terms of product feature set also, we have a three separate set of features. Even though fundamentally they are same in terms of implementation, the way you would package them for the consumption is slightly different across these verticals. Thanks, Sita. That was, that was very interesting. I think the future of learning is, is certainly where you know, you all are right now. I, I think there's just countless possibilities and certainly have been sensing that both teachers and students, although they have had personal challenges and otherwise in terms of getting used to this offline mode of learning, I think certainly the future is going to be a lot more blended and would very, very eagerly look forward to what's next and what you people probably come up with. You know, as we come to the close of this conversation, what is it that, you know, you would like to leave in terms of messages for listeners who, let's say, aspire towards a career in technology and for entrepreneurs as well? 
in uh, people who would actually aspire to be on a technology you should have a passion for it that's what i would always say man if you enjoy programming then you would like, sit for 8 hours 12 hours and do stuff from like right so you don't i mean that's that that's something which uh, you have to enjoy i mean like so technology has to be something if it is your passion then it will happen automatically not uh, but there are a lot of things you can do outside technology also because nowadays i keep hearing everybody wants to become a programmer right? to a large extent but yeah find out whether you really enjoy creating those programs what you feel and you feel happy about it uh in terms of entrepreneurs uh my experience tells basically whenever you're jumping into the entrepreneurship find out who's your target customer at what is the problem you're trying to solve find out the market size what would be acquisition put all of this together and see whether your business idea is a viable thing to sustain thank you sita the very crisp very simple very helpful messages thank you so much for your time today and this conversation thank you chitra it's always my pleasure to talk to you We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.